for the young man, but it is Liverpool's trophy, a cup in the cabinet. The goalkeeper is the star of the moment. Stretching his legs and getting away from Dixon and getting his shot away. Hello everybody, welcome to the Teams of Our Lives with me, Marcus Speller, and him, Andy Brassel. Hello. How are you doing, Ando? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm feeling weighed down a little, I must admit, Marcus, on this fine day. Mm. But it's not by burden of expectation or sorrow, it's just by an enormous weight of trophies. Oh, you are, Andy. Oh, you are. We, today, ladies and gentlemen, are talking about a treble winning season. Not the treble winning season, despite what Danny Murphy may say. It's Liverpool's cup winning season of 2000-2001 under Gerard Ullier. United fans were on tenterhooks there for a second. They were. That's what made it so good. Yes. Poor old man, United fans. They've suffered enough. Do you not think, Andy? Have, have they? No. Winning the Premier League loads? I think they've done okay. I don't think they have. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes, of course, this was... Uh, this is a, a very uh, affectionately remembered season for all of those um, who can remember it, who are not Manchester United fans or Everton fans. Uh, it, was, it was quite the year. FA Cup, League Cup and UEFA Cup winners. Finished third in the league as well. Yeah, just a point behind Arsenal. They were. Um, I think they played a total of 63 matches that season, which is quite a lot. And it, is, it's, it is quite a lot. No wonder was... they needed penalties to beat Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> um, an extra time to, to win the UEFA Cup, of course. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even the Europa League back then. Exactly. That's how many cup competitions they won. Exactly. Oh, dearie me. Um, and it was interesting going on what was, what was happening at Liverpool at the time because Gerard Houllier came in and when he first arrived at the club, he was co-manager with Roy Evans, which yes. is such an extraordinary situation. The the only other co-managership that I can think of off the top of my head is Steve Gritt and Alan Kerbishley at Charlton. Right. And also that didn't last. Steve Gritt, what a name. Yeah. Does he look and sound as I'm imagining him too? Not quite as fierce. He's got quite a kind face, Mm. but he's bold if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, And the the accent? South London? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the co-managers with um, with with the the delightful Roy Evans. I was I always thought he was a came across as quite a nice chap, Roy Evans. Yeah, and as as, as well, proper Liverpool. Oh my goodness, through and through, absolutely it goes keys into that idea of the Anfield boot room and yeah. all that sort of stuff, and about Liverpool and their relationship with mm-hmm. with their heritage, which is 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 fantastic. But I think that's what made. Ullier so successful, and mm-hmm. let's not get this confused. He was extraordinarily successful, um, because he. What I love so much about Gerard Ullier mm-hmm. is, as well as being um, an educated man, he was someone who was just so immersed in the history and love of football. Mm. I thought you were going to say, despite being an educated man, he was also a good footballing man. (laughs) (laughs) But Julio was fantastic. And he he had an enormous influence on on, on Liverpool. I think if you go forward after this to the 2005 Champions League final, Mm -hmm. of course, he celebrated with the Liverpool players in the dressing room at Istanbul the year after he'd, he'd left the club, which 
kind of seemed right, really, didn't it? Because he'd done so much to lay the foundations for Rafa Benitez. Yeah, and of course, you know, when he left the club, it wasn't really his choice. It was, it, it wasn't his wish. Yeah, mm. It was a better way to put it. Of course, it was you know health reasons and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but but Julio, um, right? So he 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 was um, he, he visited Liverpool in the sixties. Yeah. And so he, so he, and he, I think he, did he live there or he, or he worked there or something? But he was certainly familiar with the city. And then, of course, he goes back there and, and, and takes over. And, and his, his, his leadership, I think you can draw some comparisons with when Arsene Wenger took over at Arsenal. I know that's slightly convenient, both French managers and so on. But in terms of the, the culture at the club and so on, just trying to change the culture a little bit, a bit more winning mentality, things like players' diets. Um, moving on certain players, bringing in certain players, uh, a little bit more of a continental flair, you could say, because at the time that was probably important because often English football, for, for whatever reasons, was was often stuck in yesteryear. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, we enjoyed yesteryear, uh, but, it, but because of what was going on at Arsenal, obviously Ferguson at Manchester United uh, and whatnot, winning trophies um, w- was a bit more difficult. In fact, I think they'd gone, what was it now, six years? Or six, yeah, something like that, um, which was the longest since the 1960s without winning a major trophy um, that season. Yeah, and it's funny, we were talking about Manchester United at the top, but whereas Manchester United made the most from the early years of the Premier League. Yeah. Um, with Liverpool, it went in the opposite direction. Mm. And it's worth remembering, both through the European Cups of the 80s and that nearly double winning team mm-hmm. of 87-88, which as I've said before, I, I think on here, is I, I think probably still the best club side that I've ever seen in the flesh, mm. if if not really close. That, they're amazing. And then, you know, they're still winning the league going into the 90s. Mm. And then Dalglish leaves and, and it starts to level off quite significantly. Mm-hmm. And, and so at that point, when the Premier League's at its advent, Manchester United, for the first time in a quarter of a century, come back to the top of English football. Liverpool, who've been the dominant force really for a decade, start to fall off a little bit. Yeah, and and they needed it to be changed up because, again, despite you know what we say about Roy Evans being a nice guy and he won um, the odd thing here and there, he, he wasn't going to challenge um, for, for major trophies that often, as his, as his record would suggest, certainly not for the league and whatnot. And Julier came in and, of course, didn't win the league under him. They, they wouldn't win the league for another fair few years, of course. But he had this sort of a five-year plan and, and, and bring people in. And as I say, went about changing the culture of the club to kind of modernise Liverpool. Really, it was the start of, I suppose, the Liverpool that we, we know today, you could argue, even though Liverpool are very good at remembering the history and making people aware of what they're joining when they are Liverpool. And I yes. know that they've they, they had some some years in between. It's not a seamless link between this and say Jurgen Klopp. You know, there was there was uh, some some rockier times um, between those managers. And and what Klopp did was has been just phenomenal at Liverpool. But Gerard Houllier has played his part in modern day Liverpool, I would I would very much argue. Uh, and um and some of the players under him, you know, real household names. Uh, of course, it was Owen and Heskey up top. Fowler came off the bench a little bit, although he certainly played his part. Steven Gerrard was voted Young PFA Player of the Season that year. Yeah. Um, so they so they had the but they also brought in some some interesting signings from abroad. Christian Zieger 
uh, Marcus Barbel um, were, were, were two obvious ones who, who played quite a lot. Well, Ziegler had succeeded at Middlesbrough already by that point, hadn't he? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, sorry, but, yeah, when I say abroad, sorry, yeah, you're right. It, it is interesting because I think you look at the end of the 90s, now, they've been the shoots of a, a Liverpool revival mm. um, with the whole Spice Boys team. Yeah. With um, Fowler, McManaman. James. Uh, yeah, James. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason McAteer. Redknapp. Jamie Redknapp. Like Scales, Ruddock, you know, yeah. all these players. And there was, there was a sense that Julio was at least partly cleaning house after that. Yeah. He, you know, he got rid of a lot of those players. Paul Ince went under him as well, mm-hmm. did, did, didn't he? he? He left as well. But what I think's remarkable about this particular season, mm-hmm. um, if we look at the, the, the treble in 2000-2001, uh, is of those signings that you mentioned, very few of them are resounding successes. Mm. Now, you look at the money spent, which is never massively helpful when we're going back like 20, mm-hmm. 20 years. They played a lot of games, though. They, 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 they did. But I think you look at like Bernard Diomed, you look at Nick Barmby, uh, Christian Ziga. Mm-hmm. Of course, Igor Bishan ended up in a, a, a Champions League winning side, so mm. let's not knock him too much. But none of those really mm. set Anfield alight. And of course, the, the best signing... Mm-hmm. From that season was a freebie. Was a thirty-five-year-old freebie. A thirty-five-year-old freebie. A Scottish yeah. freebie. Uh, it was Gary McAllister, of course. Julio said that it was his most inspired signing, and you have to say it was remarkable what McAllister did. McAllister. It was a glorious Indian summer there because he'd obviously been a, a good player previously, but I think one or certainly someone of my age could think, okay, well, I know he won the league with Leeds back in the day, mm. and then it was a very, very poor attempt if you could call it an attempt to defend that title the season after yeah uh, but McAllister was a part of that side and he was obviously very very good and then he kind of he, there was a number of years later was at Coventry City and Coventry at the time were a Premier League side but they always seemed to be a, a battling relegation on the last day of the season or something like that do you know what I mean in, in yeah. my mind's eye that's how I kind of remember them that may not be too accurate but they... th- this might have been the season they went down actually right okay but they were they were always there and McAllister was a part of that side and you knew he was a good player but he was getting on a bit and he, again if you're playing for a poorer side then in, inevitably you kind of suffer from association with that although that's perhaps you know maybe that 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 turn of phrase is a bit harsh or or maybe unnecessary, but you know what I mean? You are put in that group of, oh, well, you're a part of a struggling side, therefore you're not really a top player anymore. da di da da And when Liverpool signed him, people thought, oh, okay, well, McAllister, you know, he's a good player, he's played, but, you know, he'd just be a bit part player. He won't, he won't play that much. He won't, you know, an older head around the dressing room, all that kind of stuff, leadership qualities. But he was magnificent that season. It was, it was great, one yeah. of my favourite, if you can call it a swan song, because he went back to Coventry after that. But again, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, in my mind's eye, it was a bit of a swan song. Yeah, and it's, it's, and such it's one a of the best ones that I can remember. Such a remarkable move to happen in the first place. Yeah. And then that he he seized it with both hands. It, oh, was, it was pretty amazing. But mm. they needed that calm, that poise. When I think mm. of Liverpool but That quality that season, as well. Exactly. I, I think of Liverpool that season. And I don't just think of like, the exciting ends to cup finals and, mm-hmm. and, and what have you. I think of... McAllister on the ball mapping it all out. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful when you get a player of that vintage, when they go to a big club and they they really express themselves and really show what they can do. Yeah. It really, because he deserved that in a sense. He's such a great pro. 
good guy by all you know by by a lot of accounts you know but 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 a winner as well but again you don't see that because he's been in a side no disrespect to Coventry City he was great there and I'm sure they love him there yeah I don't know that much about the Coventry fan base and so on so if again forgive me if I've got that wrong but you would have thought that he'd be loved there and he played his part in Coventry City in the Premier League and my goodness they those days seem a long time ago I'm sure for Coventry fans forgive me for bringing that up again but but McAllister, to see him go there and then win some trophies and just be appreciated, I think, is what what I'm saying. The standout moments, of course, were um, the UEFA Cup final, which we'll talk about. I mean, even the fact that he was he lasted the whole game. At the age of 36, he was the free kick at Goodison Park was, was utterly glorious. Yeah. But also, in the semi-final of the UEFA Cup against Barcelona, 1-0 in aggregate, he scores a penalty. Yeah. Uh, into the top corner, and I forget which Barcelona defender it was. It may have been Puyol. Forgive uh, me if that's wrong. There's a bit of needle going on, and when he scores that penalty, he just turns around and looks at me. He's just like, yeah! <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's again quite unlike McAllister. Um, but what a signing he was. Uh, and 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 again, you I, you would have thought that he would have had an impact on, on Steven Gerrard, who would go on to be one of the greatest players in the club's history, and one, as I say, a PFA Young Player of the Year. And talking about important goals and, and dare I even suggest, certainly from a Liverpool point of view, some really well-remembered and iconic moments and goals from that season. Danny Murphy, again, in my mind's eye, he seemed to always score at Old Trafford and uh, would, would pop yes. up. The, I think it may have only happened twice, maybe maybe three times, but he got the only goal at Old Trafford in December that season, which was, which was, which was a highlight. So there was, there was a lot of good stuff going on with, with Liverpool and some of their players that year. And I think that... Again, the fans—they did have some local lads playing. There was a kind of a, you know, a lot of a lot of English players playing there as well. Which I think in this day and age, as as society and whatnot has moved on, that sort of um, less and less, and maybe even not as important, you, you you could say. But people often like it if they have local players playing in the team. I yeah, I mean, but by this point, Robbie Fowler wasn't quite elite Robbie Fowler. No, but uh, he was still playing. He scored he in the was, League Cup final. He scored in the UEFA Cup final Yeah, he, well. was st- he, was st- he was still very good. Mm, but it but, was his last full season at the club. Yeah. Until, and then he obviously came back a little bit later. And of course, the, the previous season had been when Emil Heskey mm. arrived at Liverpool and the partnership between him and Owen was fantastic. Now, he talked about... Gary McAllister seizing an opportunity. Now, a much younger man in Emil Heskey. I think a player that, I don't know if it's fair to say he divided opinion while he was at Leicester, but a lot of people, you know, wondered how good he would be Mm. at a bigger club, whether he could establish himself at a bigger club, you know, whether he could really become Mm. elite level. That first season and a half at Liverpool, he was absolutely fantastic. You know, sometimes you get a feeling from that player, and I did the moment Heskey arrived at Liverpool, of this was a guy who was ready for a move to step up, not just one level, but a couple of levels. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did straight away. He clicked with Liverpool absolutely brilliantly. Um, He was what they needed. They were what he needed. And he just took himself onto a different plane, really, in in that time. And Mm. obviously, uh, culminating in his little uh, autumn 2001 moment in Munich yeah well I mean Heskey you're right it does divide opinion because of his goal scoring or lack of goal scoring exploits you would say but that season he got 22 in all competitions yeah only two less than Michael Owen only two less than Michael Owen and so I mean he got a lovely hat trick at Derby I think that season Mm. stuffed one in the top corner which was which was a lovely lovely strike but yeah with 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 Heskey I know what you mean I think he 
it's a funny because some people say, "Oh, he's underappreciated," but when you have too many people saying that, you sort of think, "Well, if he, but if he was perhaps top level, then he wouldn't." This amount of people wouldn't say he's underappreciated. I, I think the thing with Heskey was he could be an outstanding player. He could be a great player mm. in a great team. Um, whereas I think if you look at his other big moments in his career, like you look at him at what he what he did at Leicester, for example, mm. you think more of the graft. Yeah, it, it, it's a bit like in a in a very different way. Say, mm. for example, do you remember when uh, Juan Laporta became um, Barcelona president for the first time, mm. and the ticket he rode on was let's get David Beckham. Now, yeah, of course, that's right, yeah. David Beckham wouldn't even take a meeting with them, mm-hmm. let alone sign for them. And they ended up getting Ronaldinho instead. Mm-hmm. Now, Ronaldinho was the player they needed, yep. not David Beckham. Yeah. That was fate working for modern Barcelona. And Barcelona, mm-hmm. don't get to Guardiola's Barcelona if, mm. if that doesn't happen, maybe. <clears throat> so, you know, that's one of those in- incredible football sliding doors moments. But I kind of feel like, Beckham and Heskey are in a similar ballpark, not as footballers, perhaps, and certainly not as personalities. But I think Beckham is a great player in a great team. Mm. You can't put Beckham in an average team and ask him to elevate them. And I would say the same thing. Well, David Moyes and Preston North End would disagree with you. <laughs> uh, I know what you mean. Though. I, I would say that. I would say the same thing with Heskey. Right. Who, when when he reaches that Liverpool team, he's like, yeah, I can give the best of myself and they'll benefit from it as well. You know, you might even compare it with Fernando Torres' spell at Liverpool. Possibly. Yeah. Differing goal-scoring stats, though, we should point out. Yes. Um, but his stroke partner uh, for most of the season was, of course, Michael Owen. And I remember uh, Owen won the Ballon d'Or, I think, in 2001. You know, he really was um, having a good time around then. And, you know, he's lightning quick. Uh, scoring goals and I remember when they went away to Roma in the UEFA Cup quarterfinal and they won 2-0 and he got both goals and it was one of those away trips where you go this is Roma this is tough and again the UEFA Cup back then you had fewer teams in the Champions League and the, the quality of the UEFA Cup was it's, it wasn't really like the Europa League is now No, you look at the rounds even the that... Europa League is a very good trophy to win but I think in Europa League it's, you have to tend to wait for the kind of quarters and semis, even though we are talking about a quarterfinal. Exactly. I think you look at the post-Christmas games. Actually, you go back to the third round and Liverpool beat third, fourth quarters semis on their way to the final against Alaves. Third round, Olympiacos. Fourth, Roma. Mm. Quarterfinals, Porto. Semi-finals, Barcelona. Yeah. That is a lot. Sorry, yeah. I Sorry, I, I confused myself. I thought Roma was quarterfinal, but was it fourth round, was it? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. So yeah. So that yeah makes it even more. I mean, they got a little bit. There's a bit of controversy in the in the home leg at Anfield. Roma won one nil, and then there was a sort of a penalty shout, and it wasn't given. But anyway, they got through. Um, it, it is the point. Their it was first, their biggest scrape, certainly. A bit of a scrape. Yeah. yeah. The, the, their first um, trophy that season was the League Cup final against Birmingham at the Millennium. Oh, Stadium. poor little Andy Johnson. Poor little Andy Johnson. He was well, ever yeah. so little then, wasn't he? Oh, um, yeah. That was the first English domestic trophy to be played outside of England. I think that one. Uh, Fowler was captain, scored, uh, went to penalties, and who took the per- first penalty in the shootout? What for Liverpool? Gary McAllister. Damn right, it was. Get yeah. off to a good start, and then Fowler, I think, finished it off with the fifth, didn't he? But yeah, so that was their first major trophy in in six years. As I say, longest drought since the nineteen sixties. It's quite a long drought for Liverpool. And, yeah, I, and they had said, that, well, it's only the League Cup. Well, that's a major trophy. It, it was a big thing. And mm. of course, they were totally expected to win it as well because yeah. it was because it was Birmingham. Um, 
And when they conceded that equaliser mm. right at the end, you're like, oh, here we go again. And it sort of like almost prefaces like Arsenal mm. in the League Cup final against Birmingham. Yeah. And they lose to that late sort of calamitous Obafemi Martins goal. Wow. And the effect that that had on Arsenal mm. and their confidence as a club, I think, was absolutely massive. So yeah. that Liverpool were able to recover from that equaliser and go on and win, even if it was only on penalties. Yeah, that can be underrated. It was very important. No, I agree. You you have to say in the FA Cup that season they got a played off the pitch, which the FA Cup final. Yeah. Well, they did, but they got a fortuitous draw in the quarterfinal against Tranmere Rovers. But it was John Aldridge's Tranmere Rovers. Yes, and they and they got through there. Then in the semi final they beat Wickham Wanderers two one, which was uh, that was an occasion. What it, it was, wasn't it? And again, people can say, well, you've got to manage the occasion. Yeah, of course, every tie is going to have its challenges. But it's fairly fortuitous. But when they came up against Arsenal in the final of that FA Cup, Arsenal should have been ahead before they did go ahead through Freddie Jundberg. And then they went 1-0 up. And Arsenal were the better side. Firmly the better side for most of that game. Yeah, they were. There was there was the Honshou uh, handball on the line that oh, never got yeah. detected as, as, as well. Yeah. But I think the thing about Liverpool in this, yes, they did have their bits of fortune in the cup final. Mm. Michael Owen oh. was on hand to receive any gifts. Yes. Those are two incredible finishes. Yeah. You'll never see two better striker, tri- strikers' goals to win a cup final. I agree. The, the, the first one, that sort of poacher instinct, instinctively just whacks it in for one all. And that, that gets them out the mire, of the, course. The, the, the finish for the winner is craft, though. The finish for the winner is, is getting the people can younger listeners might think Michael Owen oh, is, he, is he that boring guy on BT Sport or whatever whatever you may think about Michael Owen and even actually if you remember some of his career you might not remember what he was actually when he was when he was on top of his game what he actually could do and the way he picks up that ball and um, Lee Dixon would it have been who he, he goes past I can't yes. remember would it Lee Dixon he sort of out muscles Lee Dixon because he was often seen as quite a skinny kid out muscles Lee Dixon. Now, Lee Dixon's not the biggest player in the world, but still a very, very experienced pro who's obviously knows how to defend playing in that great back four for Arsenal for so many years. And then he's, it's all about the sort of the pace, but then on his weaker foot to dig out that finish right into the bottom he corner. Like pulls it onto the left and then sort of steers it yeah. into the far corner. Yeah, I mean... It's a, ph- a phenomenal goal. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but like partly because of a sense of, I guess, injustice for Arsenal fans and, and neutrals as well. I think that was as good as cup finals at Cardiff got. That yeah. was really, really great. Because I think if you're a neutral, you're thinking, yeah, Arsenal are playing some good stuff. But then that comeback for Liverpool, you're just like, yeah, that was... Well, that's it. Once once Jungberg's put Arsenal in front, you think that's it. Yeah. Don't don't you? Because they've, they've been on top. Mm. And the way that Liverpool just wouldn't give in. Mm. Was it the best cup final Liverpool were involved with that season? I'm going to say no. Mm. You did like that uh, Birmingham comeback in the League Cup final, um, but you also but, but liked, that, that wasn't in Dortmund. It wasn't in Dortmund. You did like the Alaves comeback. Alaves or Alaves? Alaves. It is Alaves because it's not Portuguese. Exactly. Yeah. The UEFA Cup final against Alaves was incredible. Five four after extra time, of course. And if you haven't seen that, go and watch the highlights because it's just just goals everywhere. I think the first goal came in the first few minutes and Liverpool were up, weren't they? They were leading and then Alaves kept coming back. And the Alaves story is remarkable. Were they semi-pro six years before this yeah, final? Yeah, it's remarkable. And, uh, the, but the, you look at the team they had, the team they'd managed to compile Jordi Cruyff to, up get, front? to get all the way to the, the UEFA Cup final. Mm. I mean, it felt like their, their moment where 
it's, it's going to be now or it's going to be never because there's no way they were going to be able to keep that team together. No. And they couldn't. And it, But it's great that they got to the final because again... If and it were was, part of such a brilliant final. Yeah, and of, well. co- of course they'd rather win it. But if you're a side like that, you're right, Andy, it was now or never and the answer was never. Uh, mm. And where are they now? Um, well, th- that, that was the thing straight off the back of that. Javi mm. Moreno, who scored a couple of goals in the final, <laughs> went to Milan. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do too badly. Incredibly, they beat Kaiserslautern 9-2 on aggregate in the semi-final. You know, so they... That showed that they were not a bad side. But again, for those Alaves fans, like you reach a semi-final and you remember that fondly and, and, and absolutely. But if you get to the final, it is imprinted that little bit more in history. And and, and of course, if they'd have won it, I don't know. But, but, you know, they were the second best side in that final in mm. terms of the personnel, in terms of the club and whatnot. And they kept coming back and they showed the graft and uh, and the bit of quality they had. But it would take uh, an own goal with a free kick was was delivered in by Gary McAllister, who'd scored earlier in the, yeah. in the tie in the 116th minute. And again, for a 36-year-old guy who's, who's played a lot of games that season, uh, to still be you know heavily influential and, and sort of running the show 116 minutes into the match is remarkable. And it was a right golden, at the end of the season. And it was a golden goal as well back in those days. Yeah, and it was it was heartbreaking the way it happened for mm. Alaves. What they were four minutes off penalties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing, and, uh, and 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 Gary McAllister and Liverpool had another trophy that season. Yeah, they did. What a story! To complete a, story. a treble, not the treble, of course. A treble, a treble. Any treble's good. That's our Sergio Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think that, that that calendar year they also won the Super Cup and the Charity Shield. Definitely won the Super Cup, beating Bayern three two when it was played in Monaco. Yes, yes. They were three 0 up in that game, I think. Yeah, yeah. Scintillating stuff. I, I, I did love a um, UEFA Super Cup in Monaco. Yeah, I did as well. Did you ever, have you ever been to one? No. Oh, I, ju- I really thought you were going to say yes, and I thought, oh, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I was, I'll ask him about. I was this. having to think about it. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure I haven't. Yeah. Too elite Monaco for the likes of us, Andy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, sorry for the likes of you. Um, <laughs> I should say. So there we are. Uh, what a season it was for Liverpool. Trophies galore, and uh, and and some some marvelous moments and great players as well. There we are. Thank you very much for listening to the teams of our lives. It's been an absolute pleasure, uh, you Patreon people. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you as always. Lots of thank yous going on. We will see you next week. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.